Welcome back to Recap, the podcast where we cover some of the latest news featured on our social media pages. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyatt, and I got the boys in the studio with me today. I've got the venerable Professor X, sometimes host of Recap. I can't list all of his achievements here because, well, frankly, I don't want to. And we also have uh, Anthony Arnold, the writer of Smart Politics and several other things that I'm also not going to mention right now. But you guys are in the studio with me. How are you today? Well, that was the greatest snub in recap history I've ever seen. I am, I am not only titleless, I am adjectiveless. <laughs> That's also okay. Do I, do I, should I do it again? Do I need, do I need to do it again? Oh, no. no. It's, it's done now. We did the intro. This is unfair. This is I'm outrageous. <laughs> I... I promise I, I won't insane. do it again. President is, uh, is out of control. Yes. He reigned in. I have signed too many executive orders. So let's go ahead and get started. Alex, Professor X, uh, regale me with the trends. Uh, so uh, our old nemesis has returned. We're going to talk about COVID. Re- remember, uh, not that long, it's a, that brief time, like early, tw- you know, say in 2020, where uh, the then President Trump said, uh, but if we stop testing, there will be fewer cases. That is actually the strategy we have gone to. We just, Everyone uh, laughed. And it was like, we would never do that, you fool. And then we did it. We, we will absolutely do that. Um, just not right now. Yep. So, um, you know, community test sites are closing. Um, uh, um and let's say uh, at-home tests are uh, are dropping. Um, the government funding uh, and subsidizing of these things uh, has gone down. Uh, I've seen locally. Uh, you, if you want to do a, uh, if you just like want to do one, like go into a place and get a COVID test, it's seventy-five dollars. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, additionally, um, schools are no longer doing contact tracing. Uh, schools are no longer reporting COVID cases that uh no people just aren't reporting covid cases anymore um but covid's not gone uh in fact so scientists because the media good news good news bright side of all of this is that the media is no longer talking about variants and that's great now the scientists are talking about variants and uh specifically um variant ba2 so uh this is a this is a substrain of Omicron that has uh, has shown even faster spreading than the original version of Omicron, which has been hence labeled Omicron BA1. And uh, people are suggesting that uh, it's quite say it's quite possible that we will see a resurgence of BA2, but no one's going to notice. Yep, because we're going to ignore it. People are going to like people are going to go into yeah. like. People are going to the hospital. People are going to, you know, people are going to die. Uh, but when they're not going to be, get, it's not going to be set to COVID. Um, it's just going to, well, it's probably COVID, but we're not, we don't report that anymore. We don't have anyone to report it to. So, uh, yeah. Congratulations, team. We, we made it back to normal. Um, so this, this has been one of those things. When you look at like the testing numbers, like if you go to like, if people go to John Hopkins uh, website, you can see the, the testing numbers. 
And I sort of suspect, maybe I'll get you guys' feedback on this, that what has happened when a variant or something comes along and we start to see a lot of spread, we then ramp up testing. And that's why we get like high test positivity rates and then testing ramps up. And then we just wind testing down because the testing has sort of, you know, done this rise and fall basically this whole time. And it basically the testing rises after a variant comes and proves that it's dangerous. And then we crank up testing again. Obviously, COVID is still around. Shanghai is they just locked down Shanghai, a city of, I don't know, numbers on top of my head, but many, many millions of people. Yes. Yes. A very large city. So China setting down Shanghai. COVID is still here. I have uh, consistently. Oh, good. Roughly 27, 27.8 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of big. Yeah. That's kind of big. It's yeah. bigger than some states. <laughs> bigger than most states. <laughs> Fair. But like I I've never quite understood this idea of going back to normal. So like I'm I'm gonna throw in a small tangent here. I normal was bad. Like I don't normal wasn't working. Yeah. So I'm very confused as to why people want to go back to that knowing that it was also bad. Yeah. So like why wouldn't yeah. we why wouldn't we want to just like establish a new thing that we can then call normal instead of going back to a thing that was not working for us previously. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, we should return to this situation that didn't stop COVID. That's what we should return to. Like, yep. I, I'm I'm confused. Like, in my mind, I, when I've, when I've done research on uh, COVID and epidemics and a lot of the other things that I found, I, I, I have an idea that COVID is probably going to be with us for a lot longer than we will ever want it to. Uh, yep. But the longer it stays with us, hopefully the de- the less deadly we can make it. And then it's just going to end up like the flu, like we have now, which uh, is annoying to have another kind of like flu just like going around all the time. But hopefully it just means less people die. But at the same time, like, I, I guess I'm just confused as to like, we... We took steps to stop the flu, right? Why aren't we continuing I mean, the same steps to stop this? Like the normal flu? I mean, we mostly just concede that the flu is going to kill a bunch of people every year. Yeah. We actually don't really care that much. We don't. True. I mean, we tell people to get their vaccine, but if you don't, you don't. We can tell people to like wear masks during flu season, but we won't. We could change our school schedules so that like kids are in school during the summer and not in school during the winter. So then schools wouldn't be overrun with flu during every flu season, as anyone who has kids can tell you, or anyone who works in a school, as all three of us, because of our wives know, every winter, every flu season is like, I guess I'm getting the flu this year. When my, wife my, inevitably, when, my wife, when my wife inevitably comes home sick and my whole house gets sick, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. So no, we basically just concede that like the flu is going to kill a bunch of people. And, and you know, this whole conversation, I don't, God, I am so hesitant to ever give President Trump the slightest amount of, of just acknowledgement. <sighs> But I'm with you there. This is what Alex mentioned when in his segment. What some people predicted Democrats would do is what they have done. They have taken office and decided COVID is over. Joe Biden said mission accomplished and we are just not going to talk about it. And that is exactly what they have done. And that is what Republicans and Trump sort of predicted Democrats would do. Like if you guys were in charge, you would be doing the same thing we're doing, which is trying to avoid talking about this and pretending that it's not happening. We're well over a million people. Today. Right. Right. We have officially almost yeah, we're officially close to, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, and if you look at the last year and a 
half roughly under Biden. I mean, it he has it hasn't been great with COVID. I don't think anyone can say he's done a bang up job. And he can say, well, look what I inherited it. But come on, we don't give any press. That doesn't work for any president ever. No one gets to claim the last guy sucked. So what was I supposed to do? That hasn't worked for anyone. And that's True. that. Uh, and I don't know. I want to circle back. Um, <laughs> are you guys familiar with Warhammer 40K? Yes. yes I am. Okay. So you're, are you familiar with the Golden Throne? No. Okay. So uh, the. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry, uh, Francine just threw in the comment that yes, she she too is familiar with Warhammer 40k and she's lying. <laughs> uh so the so the goal okay, so uh I'm gonna I'm going to for those for those listeners who are also 40k fans, for forgive me for my for my brevity of what, of what I'm about to say. Okay, so um, the glorious, let's say the glorious human empire um, is run by, let's say is run by the emperor. Um, long may he, you know, eternally may he reign. Um, and he sleeps on it on the, let's say on the golden throne until the time when humanity can, uh, has, has risen uh, back to their apex. And then he will lead us into like glorious, into the glorious future. And he has met his body. He's, he's a living, he's a corpse for all intents and purposes, but he is kept alive by the golden throne. The golden throne is powered by the, by psionic people, by the psionic uh, energies of 10,000 psychers and 1,000 human souls <laughs> sacrificed daily. Small price to pay for glory. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is oh. like very clearly a uh, supposed to be like a metaphor for like, you know, uh, like the, the, that these types of like fascist regimes are like are ran like are literally and like and these types of leaders literally draw their power from like from the deaths of, of their civilians. But like we're going to just lose the metaphor. Like we're going to lose the metaphor and explicitly just be like, no, it literally, it literally runs on the sacrifice of 1000 people every day. Again, this is like, this is a, uh, like a supposed to be like a grotesque show of, of like what, what like fascism requires, except that we literally lived through this for over, like for over two years. We just, yep. 1,000 people must die for uh, at least, you know, 1,000 Americans must die every day to feed our American economy. We, too, will sacrifice uh, our countrymen for the for the golden throne. Yeah, I yes. wasn't quite sure where you were going with that, yeah. but... Yeah. 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 I mean, this is just from... Uh, this is from uh, New York Mag in February of this year. They were just asking, like, seven-day average was 2,500 uh, a day. This is in January, higher than at any point in the last two years outside last January. Yeah. That was this year. That was this year. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. And I say and so, and so now we will we will continue to sort of say to throw human say humans through the chipper in order to uh, maintain our economy. The golden throne. The golden throne. There it is. It has to be references that moving forward. Like I'm, yeah. I'm never going to reference the economy as anything else. That's that's so perfect right now. Like I wow. I just I say man. even more fitting when you consider like you know the the fee, the how many people are underneath it and how many how say how many people underneath it and how few people sit upon yeah. it like benefit from it. All right. So those are the numbers. All right. Those are the numbers. <laughs> those are the numbers. <laughs> okay. So. Human, Anthony. civilian, Anthony Arnold, 
Why don't you tell oh us God. about I'm never gonna lose our polls? Uh, guys, I, I really just wanted to get into the meat of the show. I was just trying to get through the intro. I'm so sorry. You could have just left him as professor and let me be venerable. Why do he have to be both? <laughs> You're right. And the professor. <laughs> You're right. But yes, I, human man, will proceed with the polls in my unfortunately boring way. Regale me with your polls, Anthony. Short, simple poll. Like I say every 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 episode, guys. These polls appear on our social media pages. We like to see you guys out there respond, share, let us know how you feel. Uh, this one is short and sweet. <laughs> that is just brutal. I've been called a jester. <laughs> I'm some sort of trained entertainment. Oh my goodness! Here, we're, we're really running away with this here one. to amuse the court. Of President Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. <laughs> I said I was sorry. The question. Apology not accepted. The question is, <laughs> do you support Judge Kentaji Brown Jackson's appointment to the Supreme Court? That's the question. I'm going to derail this whole damn episode. So I, I, hope, <laughs> I hope this satisfies you that this is the question. I'll yeah. answer first while the president is too busy being amused by my jokes. <laughs> oh my goodness successful gesturing i suppose uh yes i support her appointment um i'm going to actually give a bit of an expanded quick answer expanded but, but still quick not only do i support her appointment i actually supported most every recent appointment with the exception of kavanaugh who's the only person who i felt was actually temperamentally unfit to be a supreme court judge i don't agree with the other ones not like i have any agreement with amy cohn barrett or um, neil gorsuch but they were qualified and they were professionals and they handled the process in a way that I thought was uh, about as dignified as can be considering how absurd the entire process actually is now. I thought they handled themselves well, even though Gorsuch I thought was a stolen seat that has nothing to do with him. Uh, it's not like he stole the seat from Merrick Garland. He was just a beneficiary. So, so yeah, I, I support her and I supported all of them. Again, except Kavanaugh, who, who I thought embarrassed the hell out of himself during the appointment process showed that he is uh, temperamentally unfit to be a Supreme Court justice. So, uh, and yes, Squee likes his beer. Never things you want to hear about your, your upcoming justice. Squee like to go on uh, binge, raging, raging binge, binge session. So, so we'll go, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go over to Alex next. Uh, so similarly, uh, yeah, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any issues. So, you know, regarding her uh, qualifications, um, like you have lots of, there are lots of, I would say, there are too few judges and uh, there are like, let's say, and, but there are lots of qualified candidates and she seems fine. Similarly, I, uh, so I actually did have an issue with uh, Amy Coney Barrett and her qualifications. Namely, she served on the Court of Appeals for three, like for three years. And that was the extent of her qualifications. In contrast, like Justice Brown actually has, um, has been in the court of, say has been in the court of appeals specifically the um at, say at every level um and has specifically been ser- uh, served se- say several years on the US uh, court uh, court of appeals for the DC circuit it's worth noting she has uh more experience than uh, I'm gonna say more court experience than than four I say than four sitting justices combined and, and not as uh, uh Gorsuch messes that up so gorsuch is a uh I, I similarly i didn't have any issues with uh with him but i like i i did have issues i obviously had issues with kavanaugh i i have issues with 
with Barrett, again, just not as wild as to agree with them politically. My issue comes with she just wasn't nearly as qualified as basically any of the other sitting justices. I, I think if you're going by her time as a as a judge, yeah. Uh, I guess I give her credit for her time like teaching because I think we probably need to pull judges for more than just like do circuit court and then be a judge. I think we probably need to go back to some era where we considered more things as qualifications for being a judge. And so under that light, I, I was fine with their call. But I, I actually do. I understand your argument, though. Which I think it's fair. Uh, and uh, say, and I, I, I say, and I totally agree. So this is the, um, uh, thank you for bringing that up, Francine. Uh, so she is a public defender. And that means this is the first defense attorney since Drew Good Marshall. Drew Good Marshall. That was the, that was the last supreme court justice we had who served as a public who was a public defender and then nominated and eventually nominated to the supreme court so good we need we need more we need if every justice was through, through good marshal the supreme court would be a better institution yes yeah i mean if we just had like three or four public defenders on there it'd be a good start president yes sir emperor <laughs> <laughs> high god king don't put me on the golden throne now <laughs> you, i don't you, i don't you i don't need that, that. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say Look, bro, if, you're, if you're actually mad, you can put this elsewhere. <laughs> but no, um, to be honest, like my my biggest draw toward our, our most recent uh, appointment is specifically the fact that she was, or I guess is, uh, a public defender, and that that in my mind was enough. <laughs> um, yes, she has several qualifications we don't need to go into it it's just a very accomplished individual um i just think that like we my biggest concern with how the supreme court is being handled is that i i think as alex mentioned we need to think about other things other than just the circuit as qualifications i think that our nation was ran a lot better when experience from several different places was considered and that's been my biggest problem with a lot of the appointments before her uh, is just that, like, they're all kind of the same coming from the same place. There are a lot yep. of the same people. Um, they have a lot of the same opinions. It, it, I, I think that not even just like specifically we need diversity. I think what we honestly need is diversity of experience as well. Uh, not even just like diversity in you know, the traditional sense, like, you know, man, woman, black, white, but like, I, I think we need, we need a much larger pool of people that are available for nomination to make the Supreme Court worthy of being called the Supreme Court, because I feel like it hasn't been that for quite some time. Like we need judges who, who have an understanding of like uh, intellectual property law, things that like really matter when those cases come up, they have massive ramifications for like billions of dollars, yeah. like are at stake. And we don't actually have any judge who has specialized in like intellectual property law because that is just not a viable path to the Supreme Court as it currently exists. It is only criminal law, which is one which is an important subset of the law, but it's certainly not the only subset of the law at all. And we just don't have any answers for like, I don't know what what I mean, if, if anyone, you know, and sometime we'll have to do this, actually, uh, we can post this on our page or something. But if anyone's ever taken the time to read some of the questions and opinions on things like tech or intellectual property cases, it becomes really clear that actually they actually don't know what they're doing. <laughs> That's it. Or even just the um, the jury, the gerrymandering. Yep. So uh, I don't remember what state it was, but they they put forth this, uh, they put forth um, people who did like who broke down and like did mathematical models and kind of showed that like this is a far let's say this is a way of measuring unfairness in 
uh, say in district votings. And here's a, here's a tool by which you could draw yep. districts that would minimize these things. And this is why it's more fair. And this is why it's better. And they, and the result was like, this is a bunch of math and I don't understand it. And I don't like it. Basically, so yes. we're going to, we're going to say no. This is yep. a bunch of math that I don't understand. The answer yep. is no. So, I mean, that's also part of diversity is like diversity of, of all these things. I just want to note before I kick it on to the rest of the show, uh, back to you, uh, Josh, I just want to note, I, I actually do think this conversation, I think the conversation we have had, I, I hope people really, really listen to it. Because I think you could tell that despite the fact that we may not agree with past justices, we do recognize that they were qualified for the job and like that's oh, yeah. relatively fine. I just want to note this does not happen at the highest level of our politics. You will never find a Republican who will support Jackson other than the two or three. And you would never find a Democrat who would have supported Gorsuch. Despite the fact that like Jackson is obviously qualified and Gorsuch was obviously qualified. The fact that they just can't acknowledge the president has a right to name this person. This person is obviously qualified for the job. What is the debate? The fact that that doesn't happen at the highest levels, the fact that our elected officials can't do what we can do, which is separate our own personal feelings about their opinions from the recognition that they are qualified for the job uh, is why the whole Supreme Court process has fallen apart, that they can't yes. do what, what we three normal ass dudes who podcast on our Saturdays <laughs> are apparently capable of doing. Anthony, Anthony, I think you got your title. Normal ass dude. <laughs> there it is. You did it. I like it. So you there you it. go. So back to you, man. So actually, I, I originally I hadn't made uh, a discussion around the poll because I assumed we would be like done with it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. But in case there was one to be had, I was going to expand my answer. So I'm glad that you also had the same thought to expand your answer, because in my mind, there was actually a lot to discuss regarding the current state of our Supreme Court. Um, I just didn't have any exact questions to ask, which is normally how I how I make my discussions. But in terms of discussions, let's let's kind of go not exactly on a tangent, but let's switch gears for a second. So I want to ask you guys a couple of questions that were based on a conversation I had with a friend of mine. And to give all of you guys context about this conversation, um, I have a few white friends who in some ways care more about certain movements than I do as a black person, which has always been kind of weird. But um, it, it, it was originally said to me as a joke, but he asked me like, hey, what happened to Black Lives Matter? And I was like, you know, I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> and so from there, we kind of like talked about the nature of social movements and a couple of other things. And so given that, uh, the movement of Black Lives Matter. Obviously, Black lives do, in fact, matter. <laughs> that, that I don't think that was ever really in question. But I, I think the, the, what has happened to the movement um, is worth discussing. And so I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys a couple questions about that, because I don't actually know where exactly you guys stand on some of these uh, questions that I have. So that's kind of the, the preface. So let's go ahead and talk about, um, I, I have three, what I believe to be kind of meaty questions uh, regarding this. So the first one is um, social movements are often fleeting. And in that scenario, it is usually very difficult 
for a social movement to pick back up after its time has passed. We know this. My question to you is, given the, the power we had behind the Black Lives Matter movement, do we believe that the movement has in fact passed and that it is no longer, it is no longer something that we can continue to uh, use as a vehicle? No, but I don't, I don't think it's passed permanently. I think it has passed for the time being. Um, as so Francine just noted in the chat, resting until the next incident. I don't even think it's that case. Uh, it is resting until a Republican is in the White House. There have been incidents while Joe Biden has been president, <laughs> but uh, the politics of stuff just means that, like, this is they're just not going to do it. There's just not going to be the same desire to push uh, Joe Biden into a corner. That because I, I mean all movements are political whether they want to be or not they are political and with the way things are now I just don't think you're gonna see now I think that's a bit silly because you're more likely to get a concession from your ally than you are the person who hates you which is why like it was useful when King was like pushing Democrats even though they were presumably like more allied with the cause that that was the reason he was able to get concessions that's why he that's why Kennedy was. And then Johnson was willing to listen at all. So I, I think that's part of it. But if you're asking, like, I, I, I think at a base level, and I'll, I guess I'll answer sort of you, you said you didn't know how I felt. At a base level, I think the movement is doomed to be ineffective. Even mm-hmm. if it is when it's up and running, I think it is doomed to be almost wholly ineffective. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's too structureless. Who, who speaks for Black Lives Matter the, as an organization? If you can even find which one of the, like, dozen organizations are actually the organization. But can someone, Fair. like... When it first came, I know a lot of people were like DeRay. People probably know DeRay was like a big guy, like with his with his blue vest. I saw a lot of DeRay. Uh, have you seen DeRay recently? Mm. I, I assume he's still doing the work. This is not a shot at him, by the way. I assume he is still doing the work, but he has almost completely vanished from the public sphere, which is weird for a guy who was sort of there way back in the days of like Eric Garner. That he has either willingly or unwillingly been pushed to the side. Very possible. And that's odd. It, it is legitimately odd that a person who was there for sort of when it first came up is now no longer anywhere to be seen. I haven't heard a quote from that guy in years. If the movement's going to okay. continue to like cannibalize its own leadership, I, I just think it's going to be doomed to be ineffective okay. even when it does get up and running. I mean, I, I largely agree. I largely agree. Um, we already know um, that say for like from various things that came out like during the height of BLM that uh the CSA that the FBI had uh like had to decla- like was watching them and the police were uh the various police forces were uh you know gather as they were siphoning social data and sharing it with one like sharing it with another and trying to undermine the, the institution and um they like they they just succeeded um and you 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 need to build i don't necessarily think that decentralization is actually the issue um because uh but you, you need but your network you need to build a robust network um either uh, say either hierarchical you know top down or you know say or decentralized you know uh, spread about but you like you need to let's say but you need to develop uh like a you know robust network that is difficult to interrupt <laughs> um that Say, so, say, uh, can I uh, say that it's flexible enough that I like, say that will 
um, that won't just crumble under, I say, under pressure from law enforcement or other government institutions. You and they um, they just they failed. I can't tell you, by the way, what what Duray is up to. Uh, he is a host of Pod Save the People under the Crooked Media banner, which is the banner founded by the former Obama people, uh, John Favreau, Lovett, and Tommy Vitor. Yeah, so he great. is he, he's a podcast host. So. He's doing what we do Interesting. with as much shade as you can possibly read into that. <laughs> <laughs> Just I'm blocking out the whole ass son. He took the say he, he took, yep. you know, he took the money. I'm sure his show charts well, though. I bet it does. <laughs> I mean, I say, and again, like, I say I'll counter on uh, and I'll throw some uh, thing on that. I, I don't actually say, I don't think like, that's not actually like a dig on him. Like he, I say he, yeah. I say he, I say he, like you know, he took the money and thought he'd do like he thought he would do good work. Yeah, and uh, and I mean maybe he, I say he probably is. Um, he's probably making an impact. Like that's good, but I don't know that it's better than what you were doing. Yeah, it's certainly it's. And I say and if that and a part of that is just like I got burnt out, homie, and just being like, yeah, I get it. it the the work is, it's it's thankless work. So mm-hmm. and I, and I can say like if you look at who was uh who who does weekly and I actually the reason I want to talk about the show I think this is actually relevant to your your question Josh I do think yeah. it's relevant. So his I and I listened to the show for a little bit way back in the day I actually so there are uh, weekly appearances by uh Samuel Sinyangwe, Clint Smith and Brittany Brittany Packnett and people who know the movement will recognize some of those names probably yeah so it is very telling that like. Four of the people who were there when this thing started just shifted to a podcast, which sort of tells you how it died. There was no, and I hate to compare this to the civil rights movement. I, I do not like doing it. I think it's unfair. But I will mm. note, there was not a clear path for Dr. King to get rich. They're like, everyone I mean, hated you. Everyone I mean, hated you. <laughs> I mean, write books. Right, other than writing books. Write books, give speeches. But like people hated you. It's true. There wasn't an easy market for like cashing out. And again, people have secured financial security for themselves and their families for potentially generations. I will not hate on anyone choosing choosing security. And my God, I, I, that's your choice. But it is worth noting that like these are four really good voices that are probably giving you their best content and thoughts on a podcast every week. And I wonder, uh, Francine actually put a, an interesting question uh, that I hadn't actually considered now that I know that. Uh, do we believe that a movement of this nature can be moved to a new medium? Do, is, is there a benefit for it uh, on podcasts or other forms of media? No. No. So... There's some arguments in, uh, in work, say in like worker circles, if, um, if union, if the formal legal process of unionization is actually like, uh, is actually beneficial. Um, because like what we talked, I say we talked about unions, uh, last episode, um, and I talk about them all the time. Uh, so like the, the process of getting a union is a, it's a legal process. You, you go through the, Say so, um you get it like you get enough 
uh, support amongst your workers to hold to hold a ballot initiative. You perform a ballot initiative. If you succeed, then like then you can like you now have a you now have a basically a legal organization to serve as a like a go between between you the you know the workers and the employer. But that's a like but that's a legal institution, and that largely alienates a lot of the workers. They're not able to read through legal documents. They're not able to draft legal documents. So they have to have, like, they have to hire lawyers. And you just kind of hope that your lawyer that you are paying well represents you and acts in good faith. But they're like, there is a, there is a dividing between them, a division between them. And so people are saying, what if we just go back to like more direct action? Just being like, hey, um, you yell, say this manager disciplined this person uh, in this way. And um, you're going to say, and you're going to talk to them and uh, you're going to change the punishment and you're going to talk to that, uh, to that uh, manager, or we all walk out. Your best bet is always going directly to, to people. Mm-hmm. You reach a larger audience with the podcast. That's true. Except those people are driving and they're half listening. They got your podcast on where they're cooking dinner in the background, or they got your podcast on because they've uh, muted themselves grinding a million souls in Elden Ring and they've got your podcast mm-hmm. on in the background while they grind enemies for two straight hours not a personal for personal experience but um, <laughs> um, yes and, and that means they're not engaged they are technically a number but they're not engaged but if you give a speech and people choose to come see you your audience is smaller but everyone in that audience is maximum maximum engagement they are there they, they took a trip to see you and whatever you say, there's a high chance of turning them into people who will do things. Hmm. You're just not going to turn a lot of podcast listeners into people who take action because they're listening to it on their commute in the background while doing a million other things. They miss 10 minutes and they're not going to rewind because their kids started crying. They're like, I just missed the last 10 minutes. That could have been the best 10 minutes of the show. Ah, they're not. They're like, ah, they're not going to scrub back. Like, ah, well, it's fine. So. Okay. Yeah, the movement can't move to a new medium that has much, much lower rates of like engagement. I'll I'll throw some you know clarifications on there. You can move to a new medium and use it to support the movement, right? But you cannot basically right. the, the movement must must remain like based in human solidarity, direct action, okay. direct action and solidarity. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Other than like an obvious issue, like, you know, another George Floyd, what would be a way to reignite the movement to do something? What do you think? Uh, And I, if, since I normally have a habit of not giving my own answers to these questions, I feel like I'll go ahead and start. Um, Normally what I would want to see, not necessarily that we have like a leader, but I, I think that we are missing like touchstone, well, we've already discussed it. We, we're missing touchstone people. We're missing people to gather behind, people to see, people to listen to, uh, for like the people to gather behind. Because that's, I feel like as of right now, a lot of people are just like calling themselves Black Lives Matter thing. That's what I've mostly seen, like Black Lives Matter Indy or Black Lives Matter Chicago or anything else along those lines. There's not really like a specific group or group of people that we can use to organize. And I think that's, in my mind, what the movement is particularly missing in order to actually get some shit done. I mean, a win. Yeah, so actually, yes. That was going to be my uh, answer. I say, say, um, people join things, like, 
people are people are largely self-interested for better or for worse and that means if you want people to do a thing you want people to give that to give to you the most valuable thing they have their time you want them to do a thing for you you have to show that you can do something for them and uh that means yeah you just you you need to show up a place where you have consolidated power and you you win and then you and then you use this network of podcasts and some you know and other things and you you celebrate that win and you should you give other people a winning strategy and you say you can do this too here is our here's our contact information talk to us and let us help you get this right so I was going to say both of your answers, basically. You guys basically said what I was what I was going to say. I mean, honestly, that, that would have been my answer, both of what you said. I mean, I, I think like the Montgomery bus boycott is a good example. We're going to do a thing in a city. Now, the bus boycott alone is not going to get you civil rights. This isn't, this isn't the win. But it's a thing we can do that we can organize. And then when everyone looks, you're going to go talk to this guy. Everyone's in Montgomery talking about the bus boycott, and they want to quote. Go talk to this guy. This guy gives you the quote. It's combining the things you mentioned, both of the things you guys mentioned. You focus fire on one incident, focus fire on one city, draw everybody there, get a win, no matter how small it might be. Just get a win. And then get a person who can then speak. And then basically everyone else say, this is the person who, who we will allow to carry the torch. If they come and talk to you, you go, I don't know. Go, why don't you go talk to the, the leader of this thing? Don't talk to say, me. Well, we already talked to it, and we already talked to them, and like we went we another comment that he's our spokesperson. Yeah. Or he, she, it doesn't matter. I don't get like <laughs> they are our spokesperson. Right. Talk to them or take right. a hike. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so that was sort of been my answers too. Yeah. Combining both of what you guys said. Well. For anyone who's listening, <laughs> um, I like Black Lives Matter was one of the first what felt like social movements that I I truly chose to like get behind. Um, like I I was one of the people marching. I was I I did several things, not as much as I probably could have. I will admit, but I I felt that it was like not the next coming of civil rights i don't think it was that big but like it it felt like the the most recent time that so many people had got together about a specific thing um and really wanted to do something about it and i really thought it was going to go somewhere and we got paid a lot of lip service and some things did in fact change in some places but i feel kind of similar to you said, Anthony, that we, it as a movement was doomed to not be effective. And that makes me very sad because I I really thought more would come out of it. And so I I bring this to you guys' attention to the people listening to let you know that there are lots of people who still care about the movement and who still would like that social change. And so maybe you can be that next spokesperson. Or maybe you can be that next spokesperson. Maybe I can, maybe President Hyde. Could, could step up and make that happen. I don't know if that's likely, but I, I'm just saying it can be anybody. You just need a lot of interesting things to say and some people to help you get that win. 
Now, with that being said, this podcast has been brought to you in part by Elyak Productions, the studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts, articles, and polls like we covered today. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all at home for listening. We will see you next time. Josh, out.